Father, thank you, thank you, thank you that nothing is impossible with you, that all things are possible through you. May we put our hope and trust in you. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We talked uh, a little earlier, Brent did, about uh, having an opportunity for us to pray for you. Uh, the cards and seat pockets in front of you or online uh, if you want to take uh, time to go to the respond section. This is how our prayer team will pray for us this week. It says, come close to God. This is in James 4 eight. Come close to God and he will come close to you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and and the world, and that typically is the issue that we have to struggle with, is trying to figure out where our allegiance happens to lie. But the beauty of this is come close to God and he will come close to you, and it would be a privilege and an honor for us to be able to pray that you would draw near to God regardless of what is going on in your world, that you would draw near to God and know that he will draw near to you. Father, may all of us put our hope and trust in you. Father, may we draw near to you knowing that you have promised us that if we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. And I pray that you would search all of our hearts. I pray that you would search my heart. If I have divided loyalties, Father, bring them to my mind's eye even now so that I can confess that because I want to be totally yours in following you. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, welcome to our new series, Hope in Hardship. Usually, when we uh, decide what the new series is, we take a look at what's going on within our world, what's going on within the New Cuff family, and we try to address something that is applicable to us. Uh, this time, we decided to take a break and address something that none of us are experiencing, hard and confusing times. For those of you who are new to New Cuff, I have the gift of sarcasm. So we are so excited about the new series, Hope and Hardship. The background of 1 Peter, it fits so well with us. and We've chosen this book and we will stay in it for a while because it has so much to say about us today. It was written during the reign of Nero. Nero was not a good emperor at all. He was finding people who were uh, followers of Jesus. He was beheading them uh, at the worst. Uh, and on the easy side, he would uh, put them in prison and leave them there. Peter is addressing these followers of Jesus knowing they're in this kind of culture where the culture is against them and wondering what in the world are we going to do and he calls them exiles it's an interesting term and we'll look at it more in depth later as we get into first Peter but it means living in a land that is not their home we talked about Scott and his his desire to worship God and he is in the midst of worshiping in the land where he actually lives and where we're all headed if you put your hope and trust in Jesus. That this is not our home. We are, we're, we're literally exiles. We're foreigners. We're in a place that doesn't belong to us. And the temptation for us is that we try to make this our home instead of recognizing that we owe our allegiance, as in John, James 4.8, we owe our allegiance to someone much greater, and that is Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 1, so get your Bibles and turn to 1 Peter uh, chapter 1. I'm going to give a quick overview of it. Uh, quick is a relative term for a pastor. 1 Peter 1, verses 1 and 2. This is from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. I'm writing to God's chosen people, so he's writing to us. 
He's writing to people who have given their heart to follow Jesus Christ. I'm writing to God's chosen people who are living as foreigners, strangers, pilgrims, exiles in the province of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. We'll look at verse 2 in a moment. It says, God the Father knew you. He chose you long ago. This is amazing. He made a spirit to live to make you holier, set apart. As a result, you've obeyed him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. May God give you, listen to this, more and more frustration? No. More and more anger? No. May God give you more and more grace and peace in that kind of environment? Are you kidding me? And he's saying, there, no, there is hope in hardship. So he's writing to these people, and you can see on the maps of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, and it's Actually, if you just want to know where it is, it's writing to modern-day Turkey is where they would be living at the time. So why First Peter for us? If I haven't already made a case for it, why First Peter would we want to take time and say, let God's Word direct how we live our lives? First-century Roman world was as divided, if not more divided, and divisive as our culture is today. And Peter has so much to say about how we live in a land that is divided There were relational walls between Jews and Gentiles. You couldn't get any further than that. There were relational walls between men and women, and at that time, between slaves and masters. And that is what dominated the society. Just try as as hard as you can to think of a society that's divided. Take a little time now that you know. The only source of true unity for early Christians was found in their shared commitment to Christ because he knows how we are. We can tend to, fo- to follow important but secondary or tertiary things. And so he realizes and wants to focus on the fact that as followers of Jesus Christ, we have one mission. We have one mission. And that one mission is what draws us together even when we're living in divisive times. In fact, Paul, not Peter, Paul in Corinth, he says, that there be no divisions among you. No divisions among you. And there were Jews and Gentiles, men and women, slaves and free, and who he's talking to. So he was talking to a group that could easily be divided. And he says, let there be no divisions among you. In Corinth, he, he said, be of the same mind. In Colossians, speaking of the church at Colossae, he said, have perfect harmony. In Ephesus, he said, maintain the unity of the spirit. In Romans, he says, live in harmony. Peter makes the same appeal in chapter 3, verse 8 of First Peter. It says, all of you, not some, all of you have unity of mind and sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, a humble mind that you don't know at all. When was the last time you changed your mind talking to someone? Only someone who's humble. You see, we find, we find unity when we focus on Jesus and his call in our lives. So if we put a chair in the, in the middle of the auditorium and clear all the chairs out, put one chair in the middle, and we surround the chair against the walls, we surround standing as we move towards that one chair, not only are we focused on the one chair, but as we draw near to that one chair, we draw near to one another. Last week we made a case for this saying that chair is Jesus Christ. He is what unifies. He is who unifies us. 
We made a case last week to say his call for us is to be a city on a hill. That is what unifies us, is it to say that as followers of Jesus Christ, he has us exactly where he wants us, and we are a city on a hill to make a difference where we are. The byproduct of pursuing a common goal is unity. Unity is, 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 is what draws us together in, in our mission. This last week, we read, many of you who do version. it's called Until Unity uh, by Francis Chan. If you have not, if you, if you uh, read in and out of version, uh, let me encourage you to take this one reading uh, called Until Unity. And it is a powerful and convicting and challenging and inspiring read. But last week, we talked about Francis Chan and his response to this, to John 17, and we looked at, I'm praying, this is what Jesus was praying for you and me, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all of us who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, I am in you, and may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me, so that the world may believe you sent me. I've given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we're one. I am in them. You are in me. May they experience such perfect unity. People who have different of opinions, that they would have perfect unity so that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. So Francis Chan talks about, he's not asking that we simply get along with one another or some kind of union that resembles what Jesus had. He says that may they be in you as I am in you. You see, if all we do is focus on the sin of others, if all we do is focus on the differences that we have with one another, if we focus on the difference of opinions that we have with one another, all that does is simply call us to a secondary and a blindness living. Secondary living, a shadow mission, so to speak. Focusing on others' faults and differences, it just causes division and blindness. So Paul is addressing some people who are really struggling and in difficult times, no doubt at all. But also they were not just living in a divisive environment, number two. They were experiencing some form of persecution for their faith. I'm going to... Run through this, and then we'll uh, hit hit First Peter uh, as we as we go from week to week. First Peter one six. So be truly glad. There's wonderful joy ahead of you, even though you have to endure many trials for a little while. Look at this. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you're having difficulties. 1 Peter 2.19, for God is pleased with you when you do what you know is right and patiently endure unfa- unfair treatment. 1 Peter 3.14, but even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry, don't be afraid of their threats. God will reward you. 1 Peter 4.12, dear friends, don't be surprised, don't be shocked at the fiery trials that you're going through as if something strange had happened. I can't believe that we're catching flack for our beliefs. 
Peter addresses how we're to live like a city on a hill when we're strangers, we're exiles, we're sojourners, suffering in our own land. And he says, I want to help you learn how to live a life filled with hope and joy. And that is what we're going to study about. Elliot Clark says this, it's about how we present the gospel and represent Christ when we lose our positions of cultural, listen, when we lose our positions of culture, power, and influence, when the world has pushed us to the margins, when those around us oppose the message we're called to proclaim. And then he says, it's how we live a life of mission and hope when we're exiles, when we're sojourners, when we're strangers in our own land, in our own workplace, in our neighborhood, and even in our own homes. But Peter encourages them, remember chapter 4, verse 12, don't be surprised that there would be those who differ with you and give you a hard time. In fact, not only, it wasn't just those on their Facebook that disagreed with them, but even their own friends. Look at 1 Peter 4, 4. Of course your former friends those who have unfollowed them. Of course, your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things that they do, and so they slander you. Okay, brace yourself. This next part is a deal breaker. Brace yourself. This comes from Bible Project. If you've not ever introduce yourself to bibleproject.com it does an amazing job of giving you background and history uh, of each letter uh, in the bible and it, every book in the bible and it is an amazing thing here's what they said in first peter as they introduced it persecution is actually a strange gift it burns away false hope and distractions by reminding us of our true home and hope. So paradoxically, suffering and hardships deepen our faith and make it more genuine. No, thank you. But since when has it been about you and your comfort and me in thinking I want to live a problem-free life. Oh, after all, we're following the footsteps of Jesus. He didn't exactly have it easy, did he? First Peter 2, 4 says, You're coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And in First Peter you're going to see two sides of one of each side of the coin. One, Jesus is represented as the ultimate example of suffering. And two, Jesus' followers are called to emulate his pattern. We're called to join Christ, and that includes difficult times. And we're to live our difficult times in light of hope, that there is hope in times of hardship. I touched on verse 2. Let me touch on it once again. God the Father knew you. That's amazing. The creator of the universe chose you long ago. It's not a mistake where you are today. 
His Spirit has made you holy or set apart or different, mature. And as a result, you've obeyed Him. Again, back to that James 4 8, that we don't have divided loyalties. And so we've chosen to be obedient to Him only. We've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more. Here it is grace and peace in the midst of difficult times, in the midst of hardship, in the midst of living as strangers in our own land. Wow. Peter knew about the suffering because he had suffered. And he learned how to endure it with joy and hope. And that's how we're to be a city on a hill that lives a life that's different. In fact, I want you to take a screenshot of this next statement. It's a new life purpose that I would like for you to consider embracing, at least through this series, which ends when the return of Jesus comes. Thank you for staying awake. This comes from Louis Giglio in his book, Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at the Table. I don't want average. I don't want the easiest path. I want to know God intimately and deeply. I want my life to defy human explanation. Yes. Count me in that I would live a life so that it defies human explanation. That as difficult times come, I don't act like everybody else. That those who have no hope, we have hope. This is, this is not our home, and so we quit trying to make this our home. And so what is my, what's our goal, what's our call? Is to live a life that points people to Christ. And he gives us hope, he gives us strength. To live this life. Oh, because Jesus did it, right? We can do this. And in verse 2, uh, he refers to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We are indwelled by all of the presence of God in us. I don't want average. I don't want the easiest path. I want to know God intimately and deeply. I want my life to defy human explanation. Now, with that statement, it's easy to get excited about the last part. I want my life to defy human explanation. But that doesn't happen unless the prior takes place. That we don't take the easiest path. And we want to know God intimately and deeply. Larry Osborne talks about in his book, Thriving in Babylon, which is one of our studies that we're offering for our small groups. Again, find a group, form a group, or get in a group. This is huge material. It's called Thriving in Babylon. And it talks about, he says, we live in a world gone haywire. In some cases, our moral fabric seems to be decaying at breakneck speed. Things that once were hidden are now public. The previously unimaginable has become commonplace. In a few short decades, our culture's response to Bible-believing Christians has gone from grudging respect to a patronizing pat on the head, to marginalizing indifference, and now to outright hostility. But we have hope. Because our hope is not in what we see around us. Hope is found in those relations, in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Let me close with this. Peter offers a model not for surviving, but actually living a compelling life of hope 
in the midst of godless environment. He found a way in a culture far more wicked than anything we face to glorify God and serve God with such integrity and power. May that be how New Cove is. Wow. Our response, and our team can come to the platform, our response is to say yes to the call of Jesus. That you would say, I want to live a life that is inexplicable due to my personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I encourage you to read uh, Until Unity, or if you've read that this week, then our reading for this week is called Our Hope, and it's a study of hope. Simple, not easy. Focus on the chair. Simple, it's just not easy. But we have the power of Jesus Christ living in us. May God bless his reading. May God bless us as we follow his reading. As we listen to our next song, it's an opportunity for you uh, online to give. And as we leave, there's an offering box. And let me just say, Nukov, I'm so grateful for your generosity. You have stayed with us. You've been giving consistently, even when times have been difficult with COVID issues and all it, your giving matters ever how little or how much you give um, we are grateful for your giving and so this is an opportunity for us to give our offerings